Okay, a few announcements before we get started. Remember that next Tuesday at 6 o'clock, Armando and Sharon Garcia, who are missionaries to, where is it, Costa Rica, are going to be here just for a uh, one-hour visit. Is that right, one hour? And they're going to be able to tell us what's going on, and it's going to be very informal, relaxed. Uh, we might have coffee. There's not going to be any food. Won't have time for food. Oh, it's just 6 to 6.30? Okay. Okay, yeah. Be here at 6, So because 30 minutes with them is just going to fly by. Then we're going to have Bible class at 7.30 at a regular time. Uh, uh, seven. Okay. <laughs> I need to. We need to hire someone just to make announcements. I don't ever get them right. All I do is confuse people. Uh, <laughs> also, um, let's see. Uh, Betty Themes' funeral is going to be seven seven o'clock at Baraka Church next Wednesday. And um, many of you don't know her, but if you do know her and you're interested, uh, that's when it's going to take place. And you can be in prayer for uh, Bobby Thing, which is the pastor of Baraka Church. Uh, I know how, it, how hard it is to do a funeral for a parent, so you might keep him in prayer with that regard. Let's see. I think that's it. So let's prepare ourselves in our usual fashion. We'll have a few moments of silent prayer, the option of rebound if necessary. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day where you've given us the opportunity to gather ourselves together for the most important thing we do while on planet earth, and that is growing grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray that you will help us redeem the time by staying plugged in, by concentrating, so that your mighty word will have its work within our soul. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, today is Veterans Day, and I believe they had a special Veterans Day meeting at the high school. Is that right, uh, Keith? How did that go? Was that well? Okay. Oh, wow, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. Oh, that, that just, I know that made the veterans really feel, feel good. Really? Four? Wow, that was at the Brenham High School Auditorium. Yeah. Um, I was here uh, teaching the kids at that particular time. I would like to go on uh, to that. But um, anyhow, I thought I'd give a little information with regards to uh, Veterans Day. Veterans Day formerly was known as Armistice Day, which was originally set as a U.S. legal holiday to honor the end of World War I, which officially took place, this holiday officially took place 
on the eleventh hour of the eleventh day of the eleventh month during the year 1918. That was November the 11th, 1918. In legislation that was passed in 1938, November the 11th was dedicated to the cause of world peace and to be hereafter celebrated and known as Armistice Day. As such, this new legal holiday honored World War I veterans. In 1954, after uh, after been through World War II and the Korean War, the 83rd U.S. Congress, at the urging of the Veteran Service Organizations, amended the Act of 1938 by striking out the word armistice and inserting the word veterans. With the approval of this legislation on June 1st, 1954, now November the 11th became a day to honor American veterans of all wars. And there was some uh, some discussion about whether they would have it on Mondays as they're trying to do so many holidays, but they said, no, this one is going to stay on the 11th, on uh, which happens to fall on today. Memorial Day honors servicemen who died in service to their country or as a result of injuries incurred during battle. Deceased veterans are also remembered on Veterans Day, but the day is set aside to thank and honor living veterans who served honorably in the military in wartime or peacetime. So that's the difference between Memorial Day and Veterans Day. I have a poem that I want to give you that I think was, is, is very fitting. And it's, this is by Joanna Fox. And I'm pronouncing that that way because there's a road right by my house and they pronounce it Fox Road. It's spelled F-U-C-H-S. So it was by Joanna. And this, the name of it is They Did Their Share. On Veterans Day, we honor soldiers who protect our nation for their services as our warriors. They deserve our admiration. Some of them were drafted. Some were volunteers. For some, it was just yesterday. For some, it has been many years. In jungle or the desert, on land or on the sea, they did whatever was assigned to produce a victory. Some came back and some didn't. They defended us everywhere. Some saw combat. Some saw a desk. All of them did their share. No matter what the duty, for low pay and little glory, these soldiers gave up normal lives for duties mundane and glory. Let every veteran be honored. Don't let politics get in the way. Without them, freedom would have died. What they did, we can't repay. We owe so much to them who kept us safe from terror. So when we see a uniform... Let's say thank you to every wearer by Joanna. I'd like all the veterans to please stand. If you're a veteran, stand. And let's show them our gratitude. Okay, we're going to continue now with...
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we are in the waning part of the doctrine of evil. And we're not going to repeat anything tonight. We're just going to press right on. The doctrine of evil. The doctrine of e- the, the word evil is used over 640 times in the Bible. And we as believers need to be able to discern between good and evil. I'm going to put our notes up on the board if you'd like to follow. The reason that's in red is that's my marker where I ended last time. We are to fear God and not evil, even though our environment is consumed and saturated with evil, we are not to fear it. If we are to fear anything, it is God. Psalm 23, 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This is the description of dying grace which occurs for the mature believer. And for that type of believer, death is only a shadow. It really isn't even real. It's just a transition from the physical realm that we are in now to be face-to-face with the Lord. And it's nothing to fear. In fact, I think the older you get, the more you look forward to it. The snap, crackle, and pop gets louder and louder. (laughs) And I don't have to explain that, do I? (laughs) The fear, meaning respect or awe of the Lord helps us to stay out of evil. This is one of the motivating factors. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6 says, By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. Now, you can probably tell already how easily this verse could be distorted by a legalist thinking that we could do penance in order to atone for our sins. Nothing could be further from the truth. The expanded translation of this would read as such. By grace and doctrine, one recovers from reversionism, and by occupation with the Lord, one keeps away from evil. So it's not that uh, by loving kindness and truth that that iniquity is atoned for. It is the recovery system for one who has been tainted with evil, and it is by God's grace and doctrine that one recovers once they have been trapped by evil policies and evil thinking. That's the antidote, is the Word of God. It's clear from the Scriptures that we can keep away from evil and live a life free from it. Now, that's good news. It's also clear from Scripture that we do not live in a life free from sin and never will in this life. There's no such thing as sinless perfection, but there is freedom from evil. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life so that one that, uh, one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. I think if you have been influenced or affected by evil... You might have a hard time sleeping. 
Proverbs chapter 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. The fear, the respect, the awe. What goes along with that is obedience. Proverbs 3, 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. You know, one reason that Saul lost the throne and David did not, do you know why? When you first look at David's life, you think, man, <laughs> he, he sank down into the depths of sin. But then he rose to the heights through grace. But you know what? Never, never did David get involved with evil. And King Saul did. And that's one of the reasons that the Lord removed the throne from Saul, but he did not from David. Remember the one I said was going to have an asterisk on it? Here it is. I told you last time. I don't put many asterisks before verses, but I really like this one. Psalm 112, verse 7. I want everyone to turn there. You need to mark this. Psalm 112, verse 7. <clears throat> the context of this psalm has to do with the mature believer. So when it starts out saying he, it is referring to a mature believer. Psalm 112, verse 7. He, referring to the mature believer, will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. I think this is probably one area that is overlooked. More time needs to be spent in addressing the issue of dreading things. You, you should not dread anything. And yet we, spend, we waste so much time dreading things. You cannot enjoy, you cannot even have joy in the now, in the present, if you're dreading something that may happen. Even people who are wealthy, they don't have to worry about money. They're well taken care of. You think they would have all the, the security and all the safetyness, everything you can think of. And yet they're unhappy. You know why? Because they're dreading they might lose it. See, money can't make you happy because even if you won the lottery, even if you had all the money you could possibly have or ever have, it won't make you happy because then you have to do something with it. You've got to put it somewhere. Are you going to invest it? Are you going to uh, have all the different options that you can do? And then you're going to worry, well, maybe I should have put it over here. Uh, well, somebody told me I should have invested in, in this, and somebody said that it should be liquidated. It goes through the whole thing. It's dreading that will rob your life of happiness. Every time I can't go to this verse without thinking when I went to Colorado years ago with a good friend of mine. Carrie and I went up there and went snow skiing. It was a church group, and they asked me to, to uh, speak while I was there. And I changed my my subject matter of what I was going to speak about once I was there.
Because this was a church group, and I never saw so many warriors. I never saw so many people who were in so much dread. We were in the playground of America. Everything was beautiful, beautiful weather. The snow was just right. And you, I can remember there was this glass wall, and you had a, a hot tub here, and you're sitting in this hot tub, and right outside of the glass was snow. It was cold. And you had all you wanted to eat, entertain, everything, and yet the people were miserable. All they would do is, well, I'm worried about my daughter. I, I don't just don't know if she's going to get into college. And her boyfriend, well, you know, he's another issue altogether. And they just, just on and on and on. We're going up. We're on the, on the uh, ski lifts going up this mountain. And I'm just sitting there thinking, God's creation, how beautiful is this? You're up above the uh, cypress trees and all the different kind of spruce and everything. Beautiful panorama. And here's some Christian standing beside me, ruining it because they're dumping all this garbage on me about, well, I just don't know about that. And just like this. And so I did. I changed and I said, if you can't enjoy yourself here and now, you can't enjoy yourself anywhere, and you need to let go of all this trash and all this garbage and quit dreading, dread, dreading things that probably won't even happen. But even if they do, the Lord is going to sustain you. You have His promises. What are you all thinking about? I really got on your case. That's what came to my mind every time I see this verse because this was the first one I hit them with, this verse. They were dreading things. There's a few others that go along with it. Uh, Proverbs 133, it's closer than Psalms 121. What did I, I just have that twice, don't I? No? Oh, that's 112. Okay. Look at Proverbs 133 because it's very close to one we just had. But he who listens to me, and listening to me refers to uh, taking in Bible doctrine, we might say. So who, he who takes in doctrine, listens to God, shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. Is there evil all around us? Absolutely. Are, do we live in a dangerous place? Absolutely. Are we in enemy territory? Yes. But do we have anything to dread? No. And this, again, speaks to the idea of ruining the time you have at the present and not even thinking about all the blessings you have, complaining and just ruining your time because you're dreading about what might or may not happen. Psalm 121.7, the Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. So why dread it if you have these promises like this? Proverbs 2.10-14. Remember, Proverbs, about the first five chapters of Proverbs has to do with wisdom. And wisdom is personified. It's talking about Bible doctrine. Does anybody know how to handle that thermostat? The ladies are putting on their 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 long sleeve gizmos. So we need to cut back on the air conditioner. I like it. It feels fine, but I'm afraid the teeth might start chattering and that's going to be a little distracting. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 10 through 14. For wisdom, this is referring to Bible doctrine, will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you 
understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of unrighteousness to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil. Didn't we go over that last time? I don't know what's doing here at this, but maybe I had it twice. I don't know. Proverbs 15:3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place watching the evil and the good. Believers will be influenced either by evil or by doctrine. That is important. You're going to be influenced by something. You're not an independent soul. You can't stand alone. You have powerful forces that are always influencing you one way or the other. So, this is your choice. You can either be influenced by the policy of Satan and the lies and all the duplicity that he has, or you can be influenced by truth and the Word of God. If you're influenced by doctrine, you'll have great blessings for life and for eternity. But if you are influenced by evil, there is no blessing in time, and you will be a peon in heaven. They don't tell you that at most churches. Most people that are shallow in their theology, in their doctrine, or just think, oh, my goal is to make it to heaven. If I make it to heaven, all is going to be well. Well, you, hopefully you'll understand how shallow that is. You don't have to hope for something that's already guaranteed. We're all going to heaven because we're believers in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the issue is, what are you going to be when you get there? What are you going to do? What are your opportunities? What are your privileges? So many people fall for evil because it's packaged in the name of good, sincerity, sweetness, and light. The attacks are subtle, and only Bible doctrine in the soul alerts the believer to the danger. The danger that so many people think in an overt sense is not nearly as dangerous as the subtleties. It's the traps. It's the counterfeits the lies that are mixed in with some truth that are designed to deceive. That's why we have to be so alert is because there can be a lot of good in something and you put a little evil in there and then you have problems. Just a little poison. See this right here? If I put one drop of arsenic in there, would it change this altogether? I wouldn't want to drink it, would you? It's the same thing with a little leaven, with a little lie, a little distortion. It's just a little bit. But it's enough to change everything. That's why we have to be very careful and very alert. The truth of God's Word is the antidote to evil. Psalm 54, 5 says, He will recompense the evil to my foes and destroy them in your faithfulness. Now, the word faithfulness there is truth. Won't you go to Psalm 54, 5 and, and take that word faithfulness, if that's the one used in your translation, and you might write in the margin, underline it, and write emeth, E-H-M-E-T-H, that's the Hebrew, which means truth. Destroy them in your truth, in your word. That's where the power is, is in the truth, and the truth is God's Word. Psalm 54, 5. 
Notice, we're not going to war against evil. God does it for us. He will recompense the evil to my foes. Destroy them in your truth. Isaiah 5.20 Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That is very appropriate for the time in which we live because everything is turned upside down. They call good evil and they call evil good. They call darkness light, light darkness, and substitute bitter for the sweet. There's absolutely no evil in God if anybody would ever suggest that. And you see, we're about to go to a couple of verses where they might try to make a case that God has something to do with evil. And we'll dismiss that. But first of all, we see that there is absolutely no evil in God according to Psalms 5.4. God cannot be tempted, nor does He tempt anyone with evil according to James 1.13. That is blasphemous even to think that. However, we'll go to a verse that someone may try to make the case for that. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Whoa! Did we hit a stump? No. Here's the explanation. The word evil, ra, does not mean wickedness. In, in this instance, but rather sorrow, difficulties, tragedies, or trouble, those things which are the fruit of evil, the fruit of sin. This is the Old Testament way of saying the wages of sin is death. I'm going to, get, I'm going to come back to this in just a second, but I forgot to get one thing on the computer that I'm going to do now. So y'all just... Go over that verse again. And we're talking about God creating evil. And that's why I gave you the other verses to start out with that would show you that it's blasphemous to even suggest that God would support or have anything to do with evil. Now, this is some of the ways that evil is translated. This is a translation wheel that one of the parts of my Bible software called Libronics that shows you how this word is used. It's used over, what did I say, 660-something times. <coughs> Excuse me. This is kind of like a graph. Here you have Ra, which is R-A in the Hebrew here. And it means bad or evil, essentially. And what this, this blue part here is how many times this word is translated evil, which is 442 times this word is translated evil. And then here, in the more uh, burnt uh, red color here, it's 59 times it's translated calamity. 50 times it is translated wickedness. 27 times bad or badly. Uh, harm or harmful, 
here in this area, and then all, as you go through, it's showing you the different ways that this this particular word ra r a is translated. So you have in your translation they translated it evil, and everybody automatically defaults to what evil means, which is contrary to God's plan. Why would God create something that is contrary to His plan? He would never do that. But it, this is very easily understood when you, when you see that, oh, well, if you substitute the word calamity or harm or disaster or trouble, adversity, if you get any of those translations, which are ways that it, and other ways that it can be translated, then it starts to make sense. So let's go back to our verse again, and we'll see how that makes a big difference. This is Isaiah 45, 7. Why don't, why don't you go there? We're going to have another verse that's similar to this, and you need to be able to handle this because the Richard Dawkins and the Christopher Hitchens, which are atheists, and they hate grace and they hate God, and they try to use the Bible to disprove the Bible, these are the kind of verses they like to go to. And so you need to be able to handle these type of verses. Isaiah 45, 7, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. So again, I'm saying the word raw does not uh, mean uh, wickedness in this instance, but rather, uh, here's some of the other ways it's translated, sorrow, difficulties, tragedies, or trouble. Now, those things which are the fruit of evil, in other words, the fruit of evil can be difficulties, trouble, adversities, all these type of things. That's the fruit of sin. Now, what this is saying is, in the Old Testament, it's saying the wages of sin is death. Maybe this will help shed a little more light on it. Here, in this verse, contrasts are presented. First, between light and its opposite, darkness then between peace and its opposite, which is calamity. Or you could say trouble or adversity, whatever. Yes, Michael. Right. Well, but see, there's a lot of translations still have it evil like this. And what it's saying is, what, it's just showing the, the tremendous omnipotence of God and how He's in control. So... He's, he's making a case here. He's saying uh, that God uh, is, is, in this particular verse, are making contrast. He forms lights. He creates darkness. I make... What's the opposite of peace? Well, it would be war. It would be distress. It would be something very negative. And when you put this in the context, it's saying that He gives peace and security to those who are obedient, those who are following what He says. And he also creates trouble and adversity, calamity for those who are disobedient. Do you see how that is used in this? That's why I said it's, it's the Old Testament way of saying the wages of sin is death. Or if you want to sin, you can, you're free to do so. But the Lord is going to create calamity and trouble and adversity 
in your life. That's what that means. Now we can go to another verse that's kind of similar to that, which is Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. It's shocking for someone to say, if, if you didn't know better, someone could say, well, you think God is so great. Well, He created evil. And you, what goes off in your mind when someone says that? It's like alarm. False, false, lie, lie, goes off. But you have to understand how you can rebut such a thing. In Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, it says, And God saw their works, uh, they, when he's talking about their works, as we're going to see, it was the Assyrians. God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. Now here you have the word Ra, and in this context it's talking about wickedness. He saw their evilness, their wickedness, and God repented of the evil that he said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Ooh, that's, here we've got God repenting and of the evil that he had said. Do you see how sometimes you have to go further than just the veneer of the words? Do you have to see what, what it's saying here? The same word is used twice in this verse. Why don't you go there? This is an interesting verse. Jonah. Do you all know where Jonah is? <laughs> it's in the Old Testament. <laughs> Jonah is, just, is not just a story. It's a book in the Bible. Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. You remember God sent him. He said, I want you to go to Nineveh. This is where the Assyrians were. And he hated the Assyrians, so what did he do? He went the opposite direction. And what did God do? It, you have the overruling overruling will of God that is comes in the form of a fish, a mammal, whale, some kind of big thing that ate him, swallowed him, and, and takes him all these hundreds of miles across the Mediterranean Sea and coughs him up, guess where? <laughs> of course, that was just a coincidence, you know. So, um, and this is explaining, God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and underline evil way, and there, that word means wickedness they turned from it jonah did his job he went in there and he gave them the gospel and they believed it and they repented that they changed their mind that's what it's talking about and god repented of the evil way the wickedness that they had done they did and then god repented of the evil and evil here would be the judgment or calamity, the trouble that he had threatened them with. He took Jonah and said, you go in there and give them the message now. And if they repent, if they change their minds, if they accept the gospel, then I withdraw that calamity that I threatened them with. That's what this is talking about. So you have that same word. And it's the same word in both places. R-A, ra. So he changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would do unto them, and he did it not. He didn't do it because they responded to the prophet. The same word is used twice in this verse, but with two different meanings. When God saw the Assyrians, 
that they turned from their evil way, he changed his policy from cursing to blessing. He spared them and did not bring upon them the great calamity he had threatened. It's that simple. But someone could go in the Bible and say, oh, you know, well, you think God is so great? Well, he had to repent of evil. Are you all ready to press on? Okay. Evil is a type of thinking more than specific acts. And it involves every attempt to solve the problems of life apart from God's grace and Bible doctrine. That is, that is the simplest way that I can describe it. Everybody wants to think, well, what is evil? And they want to, they want to describe it in some kind of acts. And, and they say, well, is sin and evil the same thing? No, it's not the same thing. But evil can overlap with sin, but it also incorporates good, human good. So evil is a type of thinking. It's accepting Satan's policy, which is described as evil because it leaves God out. And involves every attempt to solve the problems of life apart from God's grace and Bible doctrine. I'm going to end this doctrine of evil by giving you uh, some a few examples of evil. Now, this is my list, and you might not agree whether they're all evil or not. I don't care if you don't agree or not. But I think that you need some practicality with being able to recognize evil in our world. So I have a few ideas here what evil is all about. First of all, I have gun control. Gun control is evil because you have a lot of bleeding hearts that say, oh, well, guns are bad, guns are evil, let's get rid of all guns. Well, that's insane. You can't get rid of all guns. That genie has been out of the bottle for a long time. And we have every right to defend ourselves. We can defend ourselves from evil by getting doctrine into our soul, but maybe sometime we might have to defend ourselves from evil uh, from the... Um, by using gun control, steady, that kind. You know, they always talk about, oh, how horrible guns are, and they've done this damage, and somebody robbed a bank or whatever. But you know what they never report? And I guess this, it's hard to qu uh, quantify this, but I wonder how many times every day that people, either their lives are saved or else, they are saved from harm, uh, injury, because they have a gun. And most of the time, you don't even have to use it. If a criminal has something uh, that he's going to do to you that is a crime, and he sees that you have a gun, 99 times out of 100, he is going to flee. Why should he bother with maybe, getting, uh, maybe dying of lead poisoning? when he can go to someone else who is unarmed. They never report that. And I would think that probably the amount of times that gun owners have every single day, that it, let, me, let me just put it this way, I'd say it probably saves 100 to 1,000 times more lives than, than are lost. We don't know how many every day that this happens, but surely... In the country this size, it probably is in the thousands, maybe even in the hundreds of thousands. 
that this that people um, have the the right and the will to use this. The next one I have is CPS. That's Child Protective Services, snatching children away from parents uh, by using corporal punishment. Corporal punishment is. Did I did I spell it wrong? Uh, uh, for using corporal punishment. Uh, of course, that, that's talking about spanking your children, which is a doctrinal concept. And it happens all the time. In fact, you don't even have to spank them. If, if you uh, grab one, you can be in, a, in the store and little Johnny is being a little monster. And you grab him by the arm and you get him up in your face and you say, you don't want what's next. And Johnny calms down and behaves himself, but you had a hold of him by his arm. That's enough. That's the, and that is evil. Now the next one is uh, government-sponsored welfare. And you know this is a big industry. And it's not that I'm hard-hearted, but there's no telling how much revenue is spent every year on people who are able-bodied that are able to provide for themselves. And it not only in financial, but the biblical principle. He poured it. need him. One is the government's job to take care. The government's job is to protect us, not to provide for us. That response to families and churches and we are suffering because we are so far away from that principle today. And again, it's the way that he weakens the people and should do it. But they're not going to do it as long as getting money doled out from the government. And it's, it's a cruelty because people, they get to the point to where they think they are not valued, they're worthless, and they've just become parasites waiting for the next government check. The next one is the women's liberation movement. Women's lib. That is, to the, in the sea is maybe, least. and they lied to the Europe. You are just you and work to go out and get your degrees and get in back that, and buy women. And what they found out now is there's a lot of women out there that are very bitter because they recognize now they believe the lie because the biological clock ticks. And they get into the, to the business world. They take over all these positions. The next thing you know, they see other women that have families and they have children. And they think, it's too late. Or I can't, I can't have both worlds. But it's pitted women against the men instead of supporting the men. Competing with their husbands rather than supporting them. I could go on and on this, but I, I'm just hitting the highlights here. And to, to the women's liberation movement, if you would say that women are supposed to submit to their husbands, they would do a nuclear meltdown right in front of you. Their eyeballs would melt and they'd just run right down their face probably. But it's changing. I think women are starting to see. You see, women are up here. They're on a pedestal where they're supposed to be. And the women's lips said, no, you need to be like men down here. So they took a step down, not up. And instead of getting the, the special treatment 
Instead of having men open the doors and open, pulling out the chairs and treating them special, oh, we're going to be like men. Well, a lot of them are treated like men now, and I don't think they're so happy about it. Well, I'll just press on. Uh, hate crime legislation. Hate crime legislation is evil because it is penalizing a person for what they think. That's what it boils down to. And the most, probably the most precious freedom we have, the mo maybe I should say that, but maybe the most fundamental freedom we have is to be able to think whatever we want. If I don't like a particular race, that's my business. I mean, I, 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 I'm not saying that I do. I actually don't. But if I, if I do, if I just, maybe I grew up by a, a Mexican family and they were horrendous. I can't stand them. I'm, this is all hypothetical, you see. And, and I go out and I see some Hispanics or Mexicans or, and, I, and I say it's something disparaging about them. Well, that's not right. It might even be a sin. It might be a verbal sin. But it's not a crime. Acceptance and promotion of homosexuality. I've talked about this recently. I mean, there's two things that God does not accept in any country that gets involved in them are going down, and it's not going to be long. One is anti-Semitism, and the other one is accepting homosexuality. And we're up to our ears in both. It is despicable. It is repugnant to God. It is a, 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 an abomination. And for you to say something like that today, you're on the verge of getting locked up. That's how close. Especially pastors. Now, I could write, there could be a whole book on this, but I just, am, in one sentence. All unbiblical and unconstitutional governmental agencies, treaties, programs, regulations, and taxes. All of those that are unbiblical and unconstitutional are evil. It's part of the devil's plan of weakening the people and robbing them of their freedom. The media's liberal bias and preoccupation with trivial nonsense and promotion of sexual degeneracy. That's evil today. Uh, the, the media stinketh. And it's not just what you see. It's what you don't see. They have a filter. They have an agenda. And anything that comes in that is going to be biblically sound, something that is going to strengthen the people, it's got to go. It's on the cutting room floor. You never see it. But what do you see? Endless barrage of trivial nonsense. I don't care what Britney Spears is doing. I don't care how many times she's been locked up, who her boyfriend is. I don't care what she eats, what she drinks. You know what I'm talking about. They're lulling the people to sleep and the real issues, the core things that need to be addressed, you never hear them. They think, and maybe because the country is so dumbed down that they have to be entertained continually. Saturdays, last two Saturdays, I had the time and I watched a little bit of the football games, you know, college football games. And they're berserk. 
They'll flash up in the stands. They've gone insane. The way, have you ever seen the way they dress? Well, the guys, they're just, you know, no shirt on. They've got paint all over them. Uh, Arkansas, they have a pig running on their head. The corn husters, it's a great big corn cob on their head. And they're berserkle. They're just out of control. And I'm thinking, isn't this a football game? What are these people thinking? And they are, they're slobbering on themselves. They are, and, but you, you mentioned something about the Lord. You mentioned something about spirituality. Deadness. They could care less. You say something about, hey, our country is going down the tubes. We've got to do something. <sighs> Not interested. There's a ball game going on. And my team's behind. And they can't win unless I become a complete fool and scream till I have no more voice. That's what's important. Well, I could camp out on all of these for a while, but I'll just... The sexual de- and the sexual degeneracy... Carrie just said the other day, she said, can you believe that's on TV? This is regular TV. I mean, the pornography industry has to be suffering. You don't have to, you don't have to pay for it anymore. It's right there. Channel 13. And it's getting worse. Multiculturalism. Many people worship at the multiculturalism and our diversity. Have you ever heard someone say, our diversity is our strength? That is a moron. They don't know what they're talking about. Well, let's have 500 different languages spoken in our schools. And that's about what it's like in California. And that's supposed to make us stronger? Well, I've got to press on. I'm going to try to finish, but I don't think we'll see if we will. School systems and teachers who advance evolution and promote anti-Christian worldviews is evil. Most school systems in our country are, they teach evolution as if it's fact. And anything that has to do with Christianity has got to go. Promotion of racially part of racial partiality in hyphenated Americans. Example, Afro Americans. Any something dash Americans, I don't care what you want to fill in the blank, is evil. The reason it's evil is because it's anti patriotic for one thing. They are elevating race above and they want special 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 treatment. As you can see, look at this. We have examples of um uh, and anti-Semitism is evil. The KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. Well, I'm surprised that they don't like colored people anymore. That's got to go. They've been named so many names. Uh, I don't know what they want. Right now, Afro-Americans, but I don't know whether that's going to last. And then you have LULAC, the League of United Latin American Citizens. Why should any group be special, be singled out and say, we are this color, we are this ethnicity, and we're going to get a group together, and we're going to pressure where we'll get something done for us. The hell with the rest of the people. We're just thinking about people that are the same color. I'm there, that, I'm with them, they're that color, let's get something special. That's what these organizations really are about. And that's not what America is about, at least that's not 
what it was about when we were founded. People came from all over the world coming here. <coughs> they couldn't wait to be called an American and speak English and be a part of something great, but no more. Well, I've got to press. Political correctness. Uh, have you ever heard chairperson, Native American, significant other, higher power, assault weapons? It, it, now it's so bad they don't say chairperson. They just say the chair. The chair is going to speak now. Well, I want to see that. The chair is going to speak. How, the, how much sense does that make? But we've got to do this or somebody might be offended. I have this. Here's some others. This is going to probably cause me not to finish tonight, but I think you'd be interested in this. Uh, here's some other politically correct terms. If you're short, you're ver vertically challenged. And all of the anything that has to do with man or woman has to go. Because they're trying to erase any distinctions, any differences between man and woman. So here's some of what they come up with. It's not a policeman or a policewoman. Now it's a law enforcement officer. A postman is a letter carrier. A meter maid is a parking enforcer. A waiter or waitress is a food server. A mankind is humankind. A manhole is a maintenance hole. <laughs> I don't know, that sounds kind of, I think I'd rather stick. Um, a housewife is a domestic engineer. A pervert is sexually dysfunctional. A slut is suffering from a sex addiction. A shoplifter is a cost of living adjustment specialist. No, I got this uh, off the list. These are not made up. Uh, listen to this. A white American is racially challenged. We're all racially challenged. I'll save the, less, the, the best for last. <laughs> I can't hardly say it with a straight face. Okay, a shoplifter is a cost of living adjustment specialist. A prostitute is a sex care provider. <laughs> oh, mercy. Political correct. <laughs> I'm glad y'all are laughing. I mean, there might probably be something. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, well, oh, I nearly made it. I'm, I'm out of time. Let's see. I have, I have about a dozen or so more of things that I think are on the e uh, evil side. And I guess we'll just have to uh, start there next time. You'll have to chew on this political correctness for a while. And I did not make any of these up. I, I, this is on the Internet. I found a list. These are the uh, current politically correct. They have a whole list of them. I just took some of them here. Um, if you're short, you're vertically challenged. One of them I don't have. If you're fat, you're horizontally challenged or gravity challenged. All craziness. Okay. Well, don't remember. I mean, don't remember. Uh, I told you everything is upside down. Try to remember Tuesday. Uh, these are some terrific missionaries that need your support and your 
uh, sign of interest I know will be a, a shot in the arm to them. That's going to be at 6 o'clock Tuesday, right? Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, I think more than anything, the fact that they see people here that are interested in what they're doing goes a long ways. No, they're not. They're not. Don't ever think. I'm not going to let anybody take this pulpit or even come into this church that are here to try to dun you for money. That's never going to happen. But they just want to meet you and see the people that are interested in what they're doing. So we have that opportunity, and let's take advantage of it. Let's let's close. Father, we're so thankful for your word and that you are in control of all things. And as our world continues to spin out of control and the madness increases, we are so thankful that you are our God and you have revealed truth to us and that we don't have to struggle and uh, strive with the nuttiness and craziness that is around us. We can even have a sense of humor to a point because it is so crazy and yet that's what the devil's world and all the evil that it promotes, that's, the, that's what it is. It's just absolutely crazy. But we thank you for your word and for your stability and for your guidance. We pray that you will help us to stay the course and be that source of light in a very dark world. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.